Hey, I'm Mark. Hi, I'm Parker, and welcome to the ninth episode of Shortcasts. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you've been with us before, then welcome back. Shortcast is a podcast where we talk about the Shortcuts app for iOS. If you have a question about any of our episodes or any of our Shortcuts content that we've discussed in the past, you can send us a DM on Twitter, a message on our Discord server, or in the Shortcuts Discord server, and we'll get to it in one of the upcoming episodes. You can also send us a voice message on Anchor, and we can even include that in one of our future episodes. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want. If you enjoy the show, please consider giving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate the feedback and can even include some of your feedbacks in some of our future content. So with that, let's get started. Parker, I know you've been working a lot with iOS 14 in the beta stages and had some of the woes of the bugs that have plagued the community so can you touch a little bit on some of the stuff you've been working on with the beta and some of the stuff you've had to overcome yeah so um during this beta phase of ios it's always such a magical time the ios betas i've been doing betas since like ios 5 so i've been doing these for a long time even though you're not technically supposed to but like just for a long time like it's trying to trying to do what i can and um I think one of the things that really makes this particular beta special for iOS 14 is a lot of the big changes that they're adding to shortcuts, um, such as the way that show result actions work and ask for input. A lot of things feel more natural and can actually be ran from anywhere instead of having to be ran directly within shortcuts, which is nice. And if we remember how the iOS 13 uh, widget worked for shortcuts, this feels like a natural evolution of that. A lot of things are just a lot lot more uh, solid and flow through. So there's a lot of exciting changes that we see with 14, but what I'm really liking about um, working with it is it allows me to kind of refine the shortcuts that I already have. So two that I've been working on through this entire beta have been the Homebridge tool and the Siri Homebridge manager. The Homebridge tool specifically is one that's kind of been in a lot of active development because I did the Siri Homebridge manager and it was done just new features have been added, but the Homebridge tool specifically is a, a tool for Homebridge that allows you to interface with your instance using its UI interface uh, and its API to do things like restarting, pulling plugin configurations, and stuff like that. As to some of the woes, I've actually had a lot of stuff outright break. Uh, I think it was beta 1 or beta 2, text actions didn't work. So like if you wanted to split text, which the config tool did for pulling individual plugin configurations, that didn't work without a really crazy workaround. Um, <laughs> that, that was always a pain in the butt. But uh, yeah, like uh, there was there was a lot of kind of just woes that way. I think beta four, which is what we're on now, is actually really stable. The only problem I have with it now is uh, the the issues that we have with. Um, getting shortcuts automations to work so like with nfc tag or carplay those don't work 100 percent right all the time uh those don't work 100 percent right all the time oh yeah that's right i think i've seen some people posting about that so is that the issue where the automation will fire the first time after you set it up but then it doesn't always work any time after that um or is this slightly different? I know I've seen my, people my say that it more, fires once and then never again. <laughs> my, my issue is a little bit more particular, and I've actually got some HomeKit woes to tie into this. But uh, okay, so my issue is I have several things that are NFC tags. Uh, my wedding ring is an NFC ring. Uh, one of my actually many rings I have for my wedding, but this particular one's an NFC ring. And one of the things I set it up to do is when I tap it, it sends my wife a sweet nothing, which um, I got to think born to evolve for the ring because they make really great NFC rings. Totally worth it, by the way. They So what happens is it actually runs the automation in its entirety. It sends the message with the sweet nothing to my wife. 
But the problem is, at the end of the shortcut, it actually has a show result action. And for some reason, with automation, it's been an issue since the first beta that they pull up and say, tap to respond when there's a show result action. Well, there is nothing to respond to. So what's ending up happening is actually running through the entire shortcut and sending the message, but it's not showing the show results. Instead, it's showing tap to respond. But if I tap it to respond, it does show the result, but it actually runs the shortcut again and shows me the new message that's sent out. So now I have two messages that have been sent out as a whole. And, and mine sends a randomly uh, curated sweet nothing to my wife. So it, it, it can be a little annoying because I will have messages that kind of double up uh, when I do that. <laughs> Yeah, I could see how that would look a little strange on um, her side of things. Yeah, well, yeah, and, <laughs> and it's 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 just a silly little thing that I made because I wanted to have something to tie with the ring. But uh, just general in general, like uh, NFC automations and a lot of like shortcut automations don't a hundred percent work right. One of mine that I have is when my iPhone gets to above ninety percent battery it will say your battery is charged. Basically what I have it do, and it only do, and it's supposed to only do that between uh, 7 a.m. and 9 p.m. So it doesn't go off in the middle of the night. And the problem oh, is, yeah. the problem is when that happens, it kind of runs it, but when you hear it, it's like really scraggly and like the voice isn't coming through. Like you can tell it's running it. You'll hear the sound that it makes at first because I have it run, play like an Apple Play Pay song uh, sound uh, thanks to Toolbox Pro. I haven't pulled that sound, but then I um, have it speak afterwards, and for whatever reason, it's just not doing the speak action properly. So oh, yeah. It sounds kind of goofy, actually. It's, it's actually rather humorous. I've submitted feedback on that a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I know there's been quite a few struggles, but it sounds like they're getting a lot of the issues resolved, at least in somewhat reasonable time. Oh, for sure. Like, as much as I'm kind of griping about the weird issues, actually a lot of stuff works really well. But now that we're on beta 4, my Homebridge tool shortcut works amazingly. It actually ties in with a program called JSON, and I have to thank you, Mark, for helping me get that set up with um, the Homebridge tool, because you helped me a little bit with that as well. But, like, being able to extract plugin configurations for Homebridge is excellent, and now that shortcut runs like amazingly and shortcuts i've noticed have actually been faster in 14. generally speaking oh really yeah. yeah i think in like the initial beta i remember seeing some information that shortcuts seem to run a lot smoother and they are faster when they do run right mm -hmm. yeah and like uh, a really good example is uh, a lot of shortcuts that run on homepod which I have, a, I have my HomePod on the, the beta as well. And one of the things uh, we've noticed with the, the HomePod is, I, and we can go in on a separate thing on just the changes to the HomePod alone because there's actually a lot when it comes to shortcuts. But one of the things I've noticed is that it tends to be more reliable and faster when moving through different shortcuts actions, um, which I find to be generally more of a welcome change to the HomePod. Not a lot of changes were made to the HomePod, but this this one change, I think, is kind of a big boom to it. Yeah, and didn't you say that they removed the your shortcut says annoying spoken action from Pra when you phrase, run it in the HomePod? Praise the sun, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. no, it, it, it was so bad. It was so bad in 13. My I'm up shortcut would literally just be bombarded with your shortcut says... Your shortcut says, your shortcut says, oh my <laughs> word, it was so bad. But actually, that has probably been the thing I've been the most grateful for with, with running this beta. This beta is not stable, by the way, folks. Don't go and install it if you use this as a daily driver, because HomePod beta does have issues. It's not perfect, and, but like you can't downgrade a HomePod, so don't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... If you are inclined to deal with the issues, it may just be worth it just for that change alone. And I think a lot of people are going to be really happy when 14 rolls around and they just see that that is gone. Unless Apple decides to throw it back in last minute. I, I really hope they don't, but you never know. Yeah, definitely. And I, I guess I never really realized because I don't have a HomePod, but does the HomePod run 
iOS or is it, it like its own OS variant, like HomePod OS or something? That's a bit more of a technical question. From what we know <laughs> about the documentation and everything that Apple said, when the HomePod initially released, it ran its own version of iOS based on what the iPhone ran on. The hardware inside the HomePod is effectively just an iPhone 6S without a screen. It's running the same chipset and a lot of the same components. So it was running its own OS called Audio OS, and it is still called that today, but midway through iOS 13's life, actually maybe a couple updates ago, I think it was like 13.2, uh, they actually transitioned the HomePod to run off a variant of tvOS, which is what the uh, Apple TVs run on. So oh, okay. they, they've actually made the migration to, to move it over there, and they say that that will allow for better expansion and better support going forward. And it also allows them to treat the HomePod as its own entity and give it its own updates based on what the Apple TVs get rather than what the iPhones get when all is said and done. Uh, so I think that's basically the answer to your question. Mm -hmm. It runs AudioOS, but it's kind of based on tvOS is how it works. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I honestly had no idea how the HomePod worked, like what variant of the iOS or OS family it was even using. It, it is technically its own. And it doesn't get updates at the same time as Apple TVs do. It Actually, it's only gotten uh, three beta updates since the beta rolled out. Only three. It had the initial release, uh, oh, wow. beta 2, and then beta 3 rolled out like last week. So, lo long after everybody else. Yeah, I'm sure that their development of the HomePod stuff is probably a little bit behind what they're trying to do on iOS since there's just so many more iOS users. Well, there's a lot of benefits to the HomePod right now with uh, iOS 14. Utilizing a home bridge instance, I'm able to connect my Nest Cam to the HomePod. I don't get HomeKit secure video, but I can get my Nest Hello to display on Apple TVs when doorbell is ring. But more importantly, they actually just rolled this feature out into the beta where um, voice notifications now come through the HomePod, which is something they were talking about at WWDC uh, all, when, when they were discussing uh, HomeKit changes. And the HomePod now will say someone is at the door for me, which is delightful. Although in my setup, it's going to be, it can be a little delayed. Not always, but sometimes yes. That's really interesting. So that all is able to happen because of the HomeBridge setup that you have? Well, yeah. So um, the voice notifications will be a stock feature of I uh, AudioS 14, the new uh, AudioS is coming to it, to it. And so it's actually already there for beta users. Uh, but Nest Cams can't be connected to their HomeKit unless you use either a Starling Hub or you hook it up to HomeBridge like I do. And I've got a... Actually, have his name here um, on Discord on the Homebridge Discord. The developer's name is here it is. His name is Brand Brand Dog ninety three, and this guy has been a rock star uh, in terms of like getting Nest Cam support into Homebridge because no one had it working, and the Homebridge Nest developers were kind of not wanting to do it. And now Homebridge Nest they make a separate hub called the Starling Hub. The guy who makes it. And it runs a different version of the Homebridge Nest. It's basically a Homebridge instance in a box, but it only runs the, the Nest plugin that hooks up all the Nest accessories. So it does like Nest Protect and thermostats and all that other stuff. Uh, it does it all through that hub, but he hasn't integrated a lot of that into the main branch of Homebridge Nest. But Homebridge Nest Cam has come along and Brandog has been like awesome and integrated a lot of the key features of Nest Hello. Uh, such as getting doorbell presses, allowing for automation shortcuts with uh, doorbell press, which I have a couple of those that are pretty interesting that tie in with the pushcut server. And um, yeah, like a lot of big improvements have been made that way. Wow, yeah, it sounds like there's some pretty exciting changes coming then. Yes, it's all very exciting. Part of why I jumped on beta is because I couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. I I have wanted it so badly that I'll probably end up upgrading at some point now that I've at least understood some of the bugs that even exist in beta 4 um, with my Instagram media saver shortcut oh, yeah, I've sure. 
recently updated that so now it does work on iOS 14 beta but it didn't for a long time and I just realized now why it wouldn't work and the big problem was the issue with the if statements not outputting the right information if there isn't another variable there to output yeah so that was causing problems with with that one and then also I think you helped me identify that and helped me actually create that iOS 14 beta version of Kari because it yeah. wasn't working for you yeah, so once we made those changes well. yeah now now it's working there but I, I think that I can maybe make some other tweaks slightly but I'm still kind of waiting to update some of my other shortcuts until we get a yeah. little closer to the gold master. I've pretty much taken the effort, the, the initiative just to update everything I have now to be relatively 14 compliant is kind of my thinking. Things that I think people would use right away. Um, I make 14 compliant, so like the Homebridge tool, I'm up, has been updated for 14. Uh, it didn't need much, but it does work with 14 as well as the Siri Homebridge Manager. Those all have been, I've taken the effort to move those to 14, uh, except I have to really apologize to you Siri Homebridge Manager users because if you're using it on a HomePod that's running 13 and you're running 14, it probably won't work anyways because there was issues with 13, uh, uh, iOS 13 devices, uh, HomePods communicating with 13, 14 devices. It's annoying. Yeah, I could see how that could cause some problems. Yeah. I don't think they fixed that issue yet either. So like, I don't know what that's going to mean for uh, main release, but I have a fear that when uh, iOS 14 releases that unless people update all their devices, HomePod probably won't communicate with anything running 14. Oh, wow. I mean, not that it would be a big deal because everything that runs from 13 can run 14, but there are a lot of people that just, for whatever reason, just don't update right away. And HomePods yeah. kind of update automatically. Like, you don't really get to choose when they do. I mean, you can try to stop it if you want to, but generally speaking, they take the initiative upon themselves just to update automatically. Same with Apple TVs. So, who knows? That'll be an interesting That's... car wreck to see. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that they updated themselves automatically, but I haven't really interfaced with an Apple TV or a HomePod much at all. So yeah. I haven't had the exposure to know even how you update them, but that's yeah, good and bad, I guess, that they update on their own. Exactly. You actually, to update a HomePod, you go to the Home app, and if you go to the actual HomePod accessory itself in the Home app, sometimes it'll show you there's an update there, but see, the Home app actually kind of hides it. You have to go to Home Settings, and there's a Software Update section, and it, you can uncheck Install Updates automatically, but like, who actually does that? <laughs> Except for people that are worried about breaking their HomePods, because when HomePods first released, they would, like, brick upon updating. It was horrible. <laughs> I was fortunate to yeah. never do that, but a few people have had that happen. So I bet there are people that probably don't update automatically. But you you can uncheck it there, but that's where they hide that setting. So unless you are actively looking, you don't get, like, a notification that there's an update. It just kind of happens. Um, unless you know to look for it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's probably a good thing that they keep them updated, but I can imagine that some users would be a little wary of it if they've had issues in the past. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, the HomePod subreddit is filled with people who are so worried and paranoid about every update. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's justified. I know that there's a lot of people that are skeptical on updating even their phones. I think it's a little bit less common now, but I know back in iOS 7 and 8, a lot of people had issues, huge issues with battery life, and then they were really skeptical ever since then to update because they thought that their battery life was just going to get killed. The, the funny thing about battery drain, though, with released older iOS versions, and it's still a case even now, is that after you update to a new iOS, a lot of indexing has to happen on the machine, so it uses more energy to process all that. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that, so it has to index everything that's on your device and try to search through everything that's in your apps so that it knows where things are. And the Siri search, or it used to be called Spotlight search, I I know, and 
it has to index that stuff in order for the features to work and it, yeah. it can take a while like you said yeah it's it's really uh it, it used to be a really big battery issue i had an iphone 4 and when there was an update i'd be like i have a dead battery at the end of the day unless i plugged it into my mophie charging case and like kept it alive <laughs> as long as oh possible. yeah yeah but uh yeah these days, uh, battery drain is not as big of an issue. The batteries in these phones are much bigger, better capacity overall. All that being said and done. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, I know in iOS 14, they have, I don't know if it was necessarily intentional, but they essentially broke the picture menu or icon menus that a lot of people have been using. V-cards. Which yeah we, we always refer to them as vcard menus because they're using the dot vcf vcard that is typically used for contact information mm-hmm. uh, do you any of the shortcuts that you've been using use those types of menus or most of yours i know you use your HomePod a lot for running shortcuts and also your pushcut automation server as well but i didn't know if you had any vcard menus in in your stuff so I've used other people's shortcuts that use V cards, like merge cuts, um, is a good example of when I use uses a lot of V card stuff. But uh, I personally don't incorporate it into my shortcuts. Uh, images are nice in shortcuts, but I feel like for the bulk of the ones that I design, the idea is to get things through quickly. So simpler menus and with less images tends to be the direction I move. And I'm also not very good with working with V-cards as like a whole. So to me, it's, it's a bit more uh, work to add something that I feel like doesn't benefit my particular shortcuts at the end of the day. It looks great in all the other shortcuts that it's in, all that being said. So I don't know, just not something I particularly work with, but I have heard it's, it's a pain in the butt. You can't get it working. It just there's a huge workaround. So when you said you ran into that issue in merge cuts, do the menus just not display properly then or is it more or less just it displays the text that's supposed to be there but no image anymore in my use case it just displays the text okay i, I don't know about so it others. doesn't completely break the shortcut it's just that the menu doesn't look like it should right and for me i'm a pretty quick reader so like reading text doesn't bother me all that much but that's just my use case. The bulk of my shortcuts, though, I designed to be kind of uh, a one-and-done type deals. Or if they require some kind of contextual input, I design them with the idea that you don't have to touch your device. Um, right. My thinking, anyways. Generally, that's how I approach shortcut design. Either have it do it without me interfering, so like walking into a room and having a push automation server take care of it, or uh, talk to your HomePod or your or your iPhone and let it handle the individual responses and queries that you need to provide it. Yeah, and I like that method, and I actually used that quite a bit after you and I discussed through some of the stuff that you were doing with your uh, HomeBridge manager and I think also your uh, Pushka automation server items that you were doing through your HomePod. And or no, your your pushcut automation server items you run through your Google Home, right? Uh, a lot of them I do, yes. It just kind of depends on what my use case is. I'll actually go into a really fun one that ties into home automation in a weird way because man, I'm just a geek about that stuff. Perfect. When the time in our house is between nine o'clock at night and uh, midnight, when we walk into the bedroom, the motion sensor will trigger. And it will actually trigger a uh, push cut automation that I designed. I, I nicknamed it Bed Night because I was really unimaginative and boring. Um, <laughs> and effectively what it does is it looks at both my and my calendars and determines if the next day has an event within a certain threshold of time in the morning. If the there is an event within a certain threshold of time, it will it'll basically just go on with a briefing telling me what is going on at that time tomorrow uh you know tomorrow so that we can know what we're going in for for the next day if there is no events it actually turns on a dummy switch that i set up with HomeKit, and when this dummy switch is on it will keep the lights in that room from turning on in the morning for the wake up and normally when we walk into that room after we wake up like those lights turn off and on as we 
enter and leave a room, it'll also keep that from happening too. So the idea is, is that we call it our morning lock. So the idea is if there's nothing on going on the next day, the shortcut goes, okay, I'll just tell you the weather and tell you you have nothing. And then I'm going to keep you from waking up tomorrow so you can sleep in. Oh, wow. Which is really, it's a really clever use case. So it actually broadcasts that over the, the Googles. It actually, I use uh, Air Connect, which allows me to use my Google Home devices or Chromecast as AirPlay speakers. So the iPhone just switches to those AirPlay inputs and then just displays that, uh, just says it over all the speakers. And then it'll process that like uh, like a normal request. Now you could also cheat it and not use Google's and actually use actual AirPlay speakers, but I don't have lots of those. I just have a HomePod and Apple TVs. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting use case. And I know a lot of people really want that sort of functionality. And I've actually helped a few people get their shortcuts set up for their next day alarm or their alarm in one case was just later in that day based on their work schedule and it's often requested and a lot of people aren't really sure how to set it up but (laughs) basically exactly what you said you find calendar events between a certain time range which is easier said than done for some people Mm-hmm. And um, then if you have any events there in that time range, you just have to act accordingly with some if statements or uh, try to figure out a way of acting upon that and then either schedule your alarm or don't schedule it. And maybe play some music and then there you have it. And for me, it's uh, a matter of just turning off and on a switch and home kit is basically what it is. So like... I don't even, because the alarm is just an automation that's set weekends, it's at like 7.30, weekdays 6.45. So basically, I just let the HomeKit automation take over from there. If that is on, it'll keep those morning ones from happening uh, outright. Because I mean, who wants to be woken up too early? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I I know that there's a lot of people that also work some off-shift jobs too, and they don't necessarily want to be woken up at the same time every day either so that's a perfect use of that and i think the push code automation server helps you to automate that but even in ios 14 with the time of day automations being that they don't require confirmation anymore you can kind of have those run automatically on your device in the evening at, at some specified time right yeah so time ones that require intervention, you could, in theory, technically do that. Like you could have it set to, okay, this time of day, I'm going to just uh, flick these, these switches off and on or whatever, if that's what you wanted to do. And, you know, I do this all through a push automation server, but if you're somehow able to get the, this is a bewildering action of HomeKit shortcuts within HomeKit, it has a get calendar events from whatever the previous action that can provide calendar events is. It has that action and I can't for the life of me figure out what could be tied into that. But if you can somehow tie it into that, you could technically use it and do it all within HomeKit advanced animations. You know, wouldn't even have to use it with shortcut. Man, Apple, what's that action for? Come on. (laughs) It's no better in 14, guys. If you're waiting for calendar actions to make an appearance in HomeKit, you're out of your mind. (laughs) (laughs) They're just not there yet, huh? They're just not there yet, no. I actually, that is probably the one disappointment of 14 so far. There are no additional calendar actions. They haven't added any, so you can't have a go off with your iCloud calendar or anything. Oh, I gotcha. It's it's actually kind of really sad because I'd really like to integrate my, my calendars directly into HomeKit so I don't have to run it through shortcuts, but can't for whatever reason. Yeah, that's a pain. It would be nice. Maybe, maybe iOS 15, they'll get you covered on that one. <laughs> Maybe maybe they'll finally appease appease my my uh, taste and satisfaction. <laughs> One of the things that I know we've been wanting to cover for a little while, and I've had a few people ask me about it, is about how to incorporate an updater into a shortcut. And now I, I think you and I kind of walked through this process. I don't even remember when that was. Maybe sometime last fall. I think it fall. was for the, uh, the the speed limit tool that I made for Siri. The Siri yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, and are you still using Lightning Update or I guess Lightning Embed probably now? Yeah, 
I actually still am using uh, Lightning Update to actually great effect. I find that it's rather quick, it's easy to integrate, and the and the use of merge cuts makes it a lot easier to embed than you would think. Um, ultimately, it's all said and done. Yeah, I definitely agree. Merge cuts is extremely helpful. I know that a lot of people have said that it doesn't work right now in iOS 14, but I think I think Rop is working on updating it so that it will work in iOS 14, but he, he's been pretty busy. And um, I know uh, Robrick18 has his cut and paste shortcut actions shortcut that's been uh, updated for iOS 14, and that one's been, been working, I think for other people but yeah the whole incorporating an updater is an interesting topic because i've used lightning update i used it quite a bit because it was the first one that i was really aware of and then i transitioned to kind of just embedding lightning update and i know uh, kindred cashew has updated that shortcut so there's actually an embeddable version but really you just use merge cuts or a similar tool to cover that process of embedding it there are some other updaters i know of like uh, swing updater e and there's uh, numerous other ones that are listed in the subreddit they'll embed themselves. So you basically add a comment into the shortcut you want the updater in, and then you run the updater shortcut and it embeds itself and you get a, a new shortcut on your device. And it has updater where you want to have the updater based on your comment. It sounds yeah. like a is tedious that, uh, process, but it is actually that, is. Is that a swing updater that does that? Uh, swing swing updater e does that the original swing updater is a little bit more like the original lightning update where you have to call the shortcut from within the shortcut you want to check for updates but it also has a feature where it will it's you know i, I don't want to say like a quote unquote here but uh, swing for updates I, I believe is where the name came from on that why it's called swing in the first place but it'll okay. basically run through your entire shortcut list and see if they're compatible with swing and if they are it will check each one of those if there's an update available and then it I believe it tells you which ones have an update available and then it will prompt you if you want to update them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you can be like a multi-updater almost. Yeah, it's it's a pretty neat idea. There's a couple updaters I know of. Um, I think Update Kit works that way also. And yeah. I'm not a huge fan, honestly, of the updaters that work in that way, just because I have like. I don't even know. I counted them the other day with um, a, just a couple of shortcut actions to figure out how many I had, but it, it was something around 300 shortcuts, and I don't really need to check every single one of those for updates on any given point in time. <laughs> so I, I prefer it to check when I run the shortcut, but some other people like to check all of them. And for me, I'm the kind of person that I'd rather get an update for a shortcut when I go to use it. Mm -hmm. This way I can be like, oh, I can, I can definitely uh, update it here. So like a really good example is, actually two examples, they both work in the same way, is I'm up and Siri Homebridge Manager. Both of them will prompt for update if there's an update right at the very beginning of the shortcut. So it'll say, hey, there's an update. Do you want to update this right now? And you can say yes or no. To either one of those and if you say no it'll just continue on with its thing if you say yes it'll prompt you to look at your iphone and install the update accordingly um and then you'll have to rerun the shortcut again but it gives you the option to update it right there when you're there using it and can be reminded of you know because if i use you know like uh update kit because i have a few that do update with update kit um when i go to run it it's like hey these all have updates so it's like well shoot i'll check that later because it's too many <laughs> Whereas when I'm prompted to update right there in the shortcut when I go to use it, I just almost always take the action. Yeah, and the thing is when 
when you're, I guess, in embedding these updaters, there's always a question of where to put it, right? And for me, it is always a case-by-case -case basis because some shortcuts, like if I'm querying information from an API, generally they're pretty good and you can put the updater at the end of the shortcut so it doesn't waste any of the time up front to getting the whole point of the shortcut to happen faster. But there's other ones, like if I'm scraping a web page and it can't even load the web page because the site's been shut down or of some other issue, then it's nice to have the updater in the beginning just in case I have to fix something in the bottom portion of the shortcut. Then the updater can at least notify the users that, hey, this shortcut needs to be updated so that it can work properly for you again. And I've... I've ran into problems with having the updater in the end and I, I forget which one of my shortcuts it was now that I had to move it to the beginning. I think it, there was another one that another user was telling me that they had to move the updater because they ran into a problem. It might have been with coronavirus stats by uh, Crunchyui. He, uh, he was having problems with it. Um, because of the Worldometer site that both him and I used for our Corona our coronavirus shortcuts. And um, that's one of the, the ever loving problems of updating shortcuts because of the way that just coding works in general. I mean, if your code breaks, <laughs> yeah, if your code is broken for some, some reason external to what you have in the code and you don't have any way to account for that before it hits that breaking point, then you're essentially stuck and users have to then go try and reinstall the shortcut from the original source. Well, and, and along this line of where to place it, I, I'm like you. I find it's contextual based on what is needed. My series speed limit tool, the updater is at the end of the shortcut. And I found that that worked out best because um, generally speaking, if you are running this tool, uh, you kind of need the speed limit of the road you're on up front. And lightning updates pretty quick. Like, it's probably the fastest updater that there is around right now that, you know, that runs directly on the device. I mean, cloud updater is pretty quick too, but cloud utilizes other services and stuff like that, not just routine hub like uh, lightning update does. And the series speed limit tool, um, I figured give, give the person their speed limit up front and then prompt for update. If only because if you ask for an update and you really need to really know what the speed limit is at that moment, well, then you have to do an update. You can't really install an update while you drive. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. And I had that same trouble with Kari when I was trying to put everything together. I was debating with myself of where to put the updater when I ended up putting one in there. And it's tough because, like you said, you can't update while you're driving. Granted, Kari is kind of more intended to be used before you start driving, but with your speed yeah. limit tool, it's definitely a case where you don't want them to try to be fiddling with their device while they're driving down the road. Exactly. But then when you go to, like, I'm up, I put it at the very beginning because I found, well, if there's an update, they're going to want to know about it up front, you know, and then they can install it and then run it. And if you get it at the end, then, uh, you know, it, it can cause a bit of issues. Because sometimes I'm up, I mean, depending on what goes on with people, sometimes I'm up skips actions, depending on what people want. So it's always difficult to use that. But I have noticed, too, when putting the updater up front, it makes it very easy to, to have the user manually get a new copy without having to go to the routine hub page. Because I take Lightning Update, and I do use Lightning Update Embedded, but I actually have modified it just a touch so that it opens these shortcut links directly in app instead of loading Safari. Yeah, that's always uh, a question that a lot of users I've seen asking is how to avoid that whole iCloud page. And strangely enough, it seems like, and I don't know if this is something that Harley Hicks did on the Routine Hub side of things or if it's something that happened within iOS itself. But I've noticed that when I tap on the Get Shortcut button on Routine Hub itself now, 
it opens the shortcut directly in the shortcuts app. I don't know if that's something you've seen yes. as well. That that does work on my end as well. The downside though is when you use an updater like Lightning, it the way the API call works, it actually gets the iCloud link mm -hmm. from Routine Hub, not the Routine Hub link necessarily. So uh, it actually does open the iCloud link in Safari. Right. Right there. So basically you would then have to tap one more time. So my suggestion was if you take the API call to Routine Hub and you sh you go to the URL key in the dictionary and you replace HTTPS www.icloud.com with shortcuts colon slash, it'll open it every time in shortcuts. And so yes. instead of using an open page in Safari action, I I pretty much just do, you know, that. Uh, see, I basically just have it do that and then open the page, open that link in Safari. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing as well. It's pretty streamlined. I know there's a couple cases that some users have reported it not working properly. In my experience, I've seen it work every time and you can do it both ways. Uh, like you were saying, you can actually fully call out in the replace text action to replace the HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash and www.icloud.com with shortcuts colon forward slash or what I do in mine is I do a period asterisk dot com and I enable that regular expression switch in the replace action and then just replace that again with the shortcuts colon forward slash so it's just a little less typing I guess on my end in terms of the initial setup but it essentially is doing the same exact thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's easy to it's easy to incorporate that function into an updater. And it shocks me that more embedded updaters don't actually do that on their own. Yeah. I, I don't get what the aversion is to that necessarily. Yeah, I think it, it may just be awareness that uh, when a lot of the embedded updaters were getting released because everybody was trying to get an updater out there or everybody had a diff slightly different idea on how an updater should work. And now I think it's more of a well-known thing that you'll start to see it more in some of the updaters uh, as the updaters get updated. But if you are still running an older version of the embedded actions, then maybe it, it won't necessarily have that functionality. So if you've got one that's embedded in your shortcut, then you just have to go back in there and modify it yes. manually. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's a pain in the butt, too, because I'm sure a lot of those embedded updates, you can't change them out once you've already done it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not an easy, easy thing to swap. You can use merge cuts if it's working for you. If you're on iOS 13, it will be. But if you're on iOS 14, you might have some struggles there. But that's where uh, that yeah. copy and paste shortcut actions shortcut, I guess, would come in handy if, if you Crazy are on 14. Copy and paste. Yeah. Issue there, I guess, people just have to kind of watch out for it. If they want to update the updater that's inside their shortcut, then... It's totally up to the whoever the developer is. But like you said, I highly recommend it just because it's one less step that the users have to go through when they're trying to update. Oh, for sure. One less tap. And you think that one tap wouldn't matter all that much, but in a lot of cases it does. Yeah. Especially if people are having a hard time getting the web page to load, which isn't always the case, but sometimes that happens. Right. It's easier just to open the link directly with the shortcuts. Yeah, I've actually had that happen to me quite a bit recently where I try to open up a shortcut link and just tapping it normally and it opens Safari but there's nothing there it's just a white page and what? yeah it's really strange so I try it again and it just works but what I found is if I then just tap and hold and then share that link to I have a two action shortcut that does that those same two items to replace the, the iCloud.com portion with the shortcuts portion that we were talking about. So I'll share the shortcuts link to my two action shortcut and then it'll open that link up directly so then it just basically reopens it up in shortcuts so I don't have to see that iCloud screen. Yeah, for sure. 
I don't like going to the iCloud screen anyways, because then it means I have to open Safari. Exactly. Yeah, you... Not that Safari's bad. Safari's a really good mobile browser, by the way. Um, either that or use Firefox Mobile, please. Yes. Like Chrome, Chrome on iOS isn't very good. Yeah, I, I know quite a few people that swear by Chrome because they use it on their computers and they just have it on their phone because of that. But I, I've been a big fan of using just Safari because it just works. And I would use Safari more. My problem is I use different platforms. So uh, Firefox kind of ends up being kind of like de facto because across Windows, Mac OS, and all that stuff, it just kind of persists to be the same. Yes. Uh, Firefox. And the thing is, I used to use Firefox back in the day when Internet Explorer was a thing. Firefox was awesome. I think it still is. It's a really good browser. It's actually gotten a lot better over the years. Um, my biggest issue with Chrome, and I guess this is a bit off shortcuts topic, but um, Chrome has privacy issues uh, in, in a lot of ways. It's a free browser offered by Google. And if you don't, if you think they're not collecting data on you, you're silly because a lot of the information they've been gathering over the years has actually been through Chrome browsers specifically. Um, and there's a lot of things you can read up about exactly what Chrome reports and what it screams back with. And I mean, there's also other things too, like Chrome, it's a, it's a meme at this point. It's like a memory hog. I have like 32 gigabytes of RAM in my, in my uh, desktop and it eats all of that RAM up. It, it's awful. <laughs> And, and oh, yeah. even if you like... Yeah, because it, it opens a different process, I think, for each tab. Eating, like, all 32 gigs of your RAM. And here I am trying to go to After Effects or Premiere to do something, and I can't even get enough RAM to use it. Because Chrome used it all. Like, it's ridiculous. And so that's part of my reason for switching to, to Firefox, for that reason. And the mobile <laughs> app for Firefox is really good. Really good privacy that way. I mean, it's not as good as Safari in a lot of ways, but, you know, I... I think it's one to be content with. And Firefox has shortcut supports. It's like open new tab Firefox, but it works. I'm going to count it. Oh, really? I guess I didn't really know that. Are those direct actions? I guess I'm trying to think of the right word to use. But So those actions are already in shortcuts. You don't have to import them or anything those, when you install Firefox, those actions are okay. there. And they're wanting to add more shortcut support into Firefox as well. Conversely, Google products generally don't get a lot of shortcut support because Google finds it really hard to monetize information gathered from shortcuts. Right. So Google's been kind of yeah, positive towards it. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess I didn't realize that Firefox had shortcut support. Or maybe I did and I forgot it. <laughs> it's like barely any, but it has it. I actually have a couple simple ones that I make for my use case that uh, work with Firefox support. It, right now it's only one action, but they're adding more. Right now it's open a new tab in Firefox, which you think is, like, that's worthless, right? But it's actually quite useful. <laughs> you know, like, have, have something copy and then get ready to paste it. Yeah, I know it's one of the, the tricky things when um, an app, that's why I'm glad that Firefox just adds them directly into shortcuts, because there's sometimes where apps don't Either they don't offer direct shortcut support or the actions that they do offer have to be added into shortcuts first. And then it's, it's like a, a separate action. So like Spotify, you can have those, but you have to have them be a series suggested action first, I think, right? I can't get, I can't get Spotify shortcuts to actually... Yeah, they're, they're kind of tricky to get to work. And, and that's one of the ones... I know they exist, but I'm also kind yeah. of... Yeah, they're so hard to, to get to show up sometimes because it's only whenever iOS decides or whenever Siri decides that that's a good suggested action to throw in front of you when you go into the Shortcuts app. I was say, along the idea of suggestions from Siri within iOS, uh, 14 really adds a lot more functionality with that now. Oh, really? Yeah, with the Smart Stack, that's kind of one thing. But I'm actually giving more regular and more intelligent suggestions on things I can do with my iPhone with 14 that I was never getting with 13. Um, like one example is I use um, an SSH client on my iPhone called Termius. And I get, like, if I connect consistently at the same time every day to check something on one of my machines, 
it'll actually suggest that I connect to that machine. And it's been doing it pretty reliably at a good time. And then when I kind of stop needing to do that, it stops suggesting it pretty quickly too. Like it's, it's a lot smarter than it used to be. Um, all things considered. In fact, this morning, uh, my iPhone suggested that I run my, uh, my, I'm up shortcut because <laughs> I've been doing it at the same time every morning. <laughs> and I just, and I was like, oh, hey, it's learning from even the HomePod. Cause I don't run that on my iPhone. I run that on my HomePod, which I'm actually really pleased about. That's really nice. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like there's some really good changes that they've implemented in iOS 14. Yeah, it's it's interesting how some of the actions do get added and suggested. And I know one of the apps that I use for podcast listening is Overcast. And that one has a ton of shortcut actions, but you have to add them from within the Overcast app first. And then they just show up as individual shortcuts and using merge cuts or one of the other methods, you can incorporate those actions into a different shortcut or you can use the run shortcut action to then run those one action shortcuts that Overcast has. But it makes it a little bit trickier because sometimes you don't even know that an app has shortcut support until you dig deep into the settings tiles and habitual yeah like uh what app was it the smart life app somebody just made me aware of this the other day on reddit i think it was that the smart life app has shortcuts available but in order to find them you have to go into the smart section of the smart life app and create a a shortcut within that app and then set it up to work with Siri shortcuts and then it will actually add that shortcut into your shortcuts app which is awesome that you can do it but it's such a pain to set it up I know tiles really bad with this too because like if you have like tile like I have a bunch of tiles right and all, a lot of my stuff I have in some cups and have one of my dog because the poor the poor boy gets trapped behind doors we have no clue where he is yeah um but like tile is just habitual with this you have to go to tile and then you find your tile that you want to add to it and then it has a little tiny siri shortcuts button and you click it and then you have to save the shortcuts and then and only then you get it as an action of pre-made shortcut within shortcuts um that you can that you can work with but the benefit, though, too, is that it now adds as a permanent action. So if you want to make a shortcut with that action, it's easy to do. Oh, that's good. So it adds it to the list. So it adds it to the list, but in order to get it added to the list, you have to make a shortcut with it first using the app. It's annoying. Yeah, that would be a little bit annoying. I can definitely understand that. So I just want to know there, please. It's like, this, this isn't hard. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Starbucks is rocking it. Like, if you have the app installed, it will still generate that option to um, let you to, to do a kind of an order through the shortcuts but if you don't want if you didn't know that was a feature or the look in shortcuts for that you can still go through the app and add it as a direct shortcut with the preset for the order that you just made right there so if you wanted to go that way and just make a quick shortcut to order that drink you can still do that but the action is still available from the very get-go within the shortcuts app that you can utilize and customize as you oh okay can. Like, that's how you do that. So if you want to have someone add the shortcut from within the app, that's how you do it. Offer is a suggestion pre-configured in the app, but still offer it from the very get-go for those who kind of already know the looking shortcuts for the actions. Like, to me, that's like a no-brainer. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to try to run through some questions that uh, we've received recently. So one of the questions that we had, and I, I don't know if you've done this in any of your shortcuts or not, but I think that you have is uh, implementing a while loop. I know a lot of programmers or people that have done coding before come into shortcuts and realize that there's no while loop or there's no if and statements or anything that they can use easily that they would be normally used to. But have while loops been something that you've done previously in shortcuts, I guess? Um, you know what? That, that was something I did notice was glaringly missing from shortcuts. I mean, take out if or, which is also something that's been missing, while loop specifically. In my time with AppleScript, I, I use those quite regularly for stuff. 
problem is, uh, I don't know, it's not really an easy thing for them to implement the shortcuts right. to the way that it works. I haven't used them. I have noticed that uh, if or, or if and is missing. And I mean, Toolbox Pro adds that, and I actually do. Toolbox Pro, I know there's like specific locked behind paywall features of Toolbox, but a lot of the core stuff like if or is available right out, right out of the gate. I do think some of that stuff is very much missing. My solution, though, is always to kind of just figure out a way to make it yourself. For if or, or if and, I uh, basically missed a ton of if statements. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to get buried inside of some of the large nesting of if statements that I've done in some of my shortcuts, and then I almost have to take a break and go focus on something else for a while just so I can come back and realize where I even was. Yeah, but while loops specifically, that is something that is missing, and it does bother me a little bit too. But um, that the, I, it's not something I've had to make on my own. I don't particularly use those in shortcuts. Yeah, they have a, a very limited use case, and really the the only way that you can run them is one of two methods that some people use. And the first method is to just use a, a repeat and set the number to a ridiculously high value that is way beyond what you would be normally even seeing inside of your uh, conditions that you have set inside of it. And then if the action that you want to get you out of that loop is true, then you don't do anything. And if it's not true, then you perform some actions. But it only lasts for however long you have that repeat set for and on the other side of that coin, let's say it only needs to run one time and then the statement is true, then you're just running extra repeats for no reason. The other method, yeah. which I've used in, in one of my shortcuts before, is to basically just continue running your shortcut from the beginning and then if it sees that value is true, then it continues on beyond the, the if statement that's basically checking your, your while loop for whether or not it should exit. But it's a, a tricky one to get into because it's so hard with larger shortcuts to incorporate something like that. Yeah, yeah and it just be a pain in the butt. Sometimes there's an easier way to do something than to create a while loop. Uh, which that's, is what I found. So, generally speaking, a while loop is an easy go-to uh, answer if you're writing something in like JavaScript or uh, Python. But if you're, you know, making something with shortcuts, generally speaking, I don't find a lot of use cases. <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally understand. There's uh, a lot of people that come into shortcuts and they're really, you know, trying to figure out how they can write something or whether they need to declare variables and they find out that magic variables exist and they are just like, I don't want to say dumbfounded, but just surprised, I guess, because they just don't really make a lot of sense in most coding languages. But once you get the hang of the magic variable, things are almost easier and one of the things I learned to, to do in a lot of cases is renaming of the magic variables I don't know do you do that a lot as well just to try to keep track of like what variable is what well actually I have kind of a rough relationship with magic variables story time folks um, my iPhone 11 Pro has issues sometimes when I select a magic variable that's too far away from where I want it to be accessed. Oh, yeah. So it crashes the app every time. So what I find myself doing more often... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, my, my 10R has been doing that same thing. It's a nightmare. It's a pain. <laughs> so what I find myself doing is instead of magic variables, I use a set variable action. And I find set variables to be easier to work with because you don't have to go back to the magic variable you could just quickly assign yeah. it right there. It, I find it faster and you don't get crashing. That being said, if they fix magic variables, I'll be using it more often because having to set a variable for everything can kind of bog down your list of variables um, uh, when it's all said and done. But like a really good example is my home bridge tool just got uh, uptime 
support, so like it can tell you mm-hmm. how long your instance has been running. And for one of the checks to determine how long it's been going, uh, I used a magic variable. But then when I went to go for the next check, for, so there's a first check for server uptime and a second check for process uptime. So the first check was able to be done with magic variables. The second check had to be done with an actual variable because it was too far away. <laughs> and it just I had to be added that way. It was a lot faster the second on the second action because I can just tap, tap, tap. Yeah, it's a little frustrating when sometimes I've found that it works just fine like it should and I'm able to select those magic variables that are, you know, maybe one or two screen swipes above where my current position is. But then most of the time it seems like, I think it's since maybe 13.5 or maybe 13.5.1, but it's just been one of the biggest annoyances because I think that okay all I need to do is select this one magic variable and then I tap it and the app crashes and I have to go find that spot again and guess what it's still not working uh, hopefully hopefully they'll they'll fix it by Christmas man but you know it's one of those things that we find ways to work around and set variable happens to be one of those things where you just end up with a bunch of declared variables in your shortcut or if you're one of the people that likes to drag the action that you need to relate to the other one so that they're closer together so you can still use the magic variable then uh, copy copy and paste in 14 is oh yes i can imagine uh in uh, just because, like, I can put an action towards the bottom. What I used to have to do was, like, drag it all the way up and stuff like that. But just copying and pasting makes sense. Yeah, that's one of the new features in Shortcuts, I think, in iOS 14 that I'm looking the most forward to. Mainly because it's such yeah, a, sure. a wanted thing for so long that it'll just make life a lot easier. And a lot of people have thought that it'll kill off things like merge cuts, but there's still a use case for those, right? still is because the thing is the copy and paste action in shortcuts in 14 it can do individual actions but it cannot do groups of actions so if i need to like take this entire nested message of the if statement that has a bunch of nested actions i can't copy that whole block and put it up here i can copy the if statement itself but i can't do everything yeah. that's in that block so still like things like the copy and paste shortcut one of those things that I think a lot of users are excited for, but some people I think were initially thinking that merge cuts and all the other shortcut group or individual shortcut merging items were going to basically become obsolete, but it seems like they're still going to be around for at least the next version of iOS anyways. Um, so. I know we had a, a user a while back that was asking about running uh, a shortcut with actions that are specific to a certain location. So if they run their shortcut, we'll just say it's named ABC at home, they want it to perform some certain actions like maybe turning on a light or turning on a fan or maybe turning them off. But then if they are, let's say, not at home or anywhere else, or maybe if they're at work or something, perform some different actions. And I know there's the the location-based automation, which is not able to be ran without confirmation in iOS 13. And from what I've heard, it's not able to be ran without confirmation in iOS 14 either. Is that right? Yes, I do not believe it. Yeah, so I know the the way that I've done this is by checking the current location and then getting the distance using the get distance between two locations action and seeing if that's within a certain distance value, usually like a a tenth of a mile or something like that. Uh, Is there any way that you've done that as well? Not with distance in mind. I do have shortcuts that are location and context sensitive. The best way I can explain it is I have a shortcut 
that uh well actually yeah that's right let's go check that right uh, let's 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 go was context sensitive to location so if you could uh i mean, I, I don't really use let's go anymore i think cars is kind of ultimately a place it's it's a lot more well thought out i think let's go was kind of just this little project i worked on but really in the end uh, i think car is kind of that future in terms of where you want to go with it but uh let's go will have the ability to determine if you were at home if you were at work or if you were just out and about it had the ability to discern between each of those different places and then do something different based on it so if i ran let's go while i was at home it wouldn't navigate home it would right. say hey you're leaving out for the day um and it would look for counter event and if you are don't have a calendar that says hey i'll just turn on some music enjoy your drive and if you were going somewhere with your calendar it would just pull up the directions to that calendar event and then it would be set effectively and that's how let's go worked it was very location sensitive that way but to constantly pull where the person is and determine if they're a certain distance from somewhere, I don't think I have uh, made anything like that. Although I think AutoCuts does that. Yeah, AutoCuts has has a method to be able to do that with uh, one of the other companion shortcuts. I think it's called Location Triggers, and there's another one that ties into it called Limit Kit as well. To kind of limit the number of times that it has to run for checking it so there's there's a number of things that can get tied in there for that one in the next episode we'll cover some more question and answer content so keep a watch out on our twitter and our discord server for more updates from the team you can send us a message like i said in the beginning for any ideas or issues that you might want us to cover in the next episode See you in the next episode. And also don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out.